Hey, I'm Marcus. And I'm Nick. We are Working Class Nerds. Cue the intro. That's right. We are Working Class Nerds, the podcast that gives you no information about your favorite information. Today is September 22nd, 2020, and you can find this. I wish I could listen to the University of Coruscant podcast on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can come watch me play games at twitch.tv slash MarcusB814. You can also find the both of us on Twitter. I am at MarcusB814. And I am at Nick Vern. That's N-I-C-K-V-E-R-N. In this week's episode, we're going to war. A console war. Uh, this week, we're welcoming back to the show James from the University of Coruscant podcast. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And what have you been up to the past couple weeks? I have been playing lots of games. Uh, I don't play as many games as I have in the past week, so I'm, I'm all geared up to talk gaming pop culture with the working class nerds. Very excited about this. So what have you been playing? I have been playing. Okay, so I got like four that I'll talk about real quick here. Um, first is uh, Red Dead Online. I started playing that again, and I don't know why. I think it's because I'm going out to Colorado like in two days, and there is not a better depiction of life in the wilderness than Red Dead Redemption 2. It is, I don't know how they managed to fit all the pixels in that game and still put it out on a console. Like it is, it is one of those games that makes you think that like some developers know the secrets of how to like ring out all of the juice in a console and other ones don't because it just looks so spectacular. Um, so I've been enjoying I, that. I absolutely agree. That and I think Red Dead and God of War are the two best looking games that I've played that in this console generation. I've not been a big God of War fan. It's just not really. I don't like the the button masher sort of fighting games. It's not really my thing. But the other part with Red Dead is that I never I never play these games like you're supposed to play them. Um, so in Red Dead, all I really like doing is like fishing and then just riding around on my horse. Um, and, you know, and then I guess hunting is kind of okay, but I find that I, I'm like sort of like a homicidal maniac when I do it (laughs) because it's like, okay, you have, you have this trading, uh, thing that you're doing and you need to fill it up with meat. And so I just, I just wander around and headshot every deer within 10 square miles. And then I feel pretty (laughs) bad about it afterwards. So. I, I'm definitely guilty of doing that as well. So don't, right. Don't and then bad. after a while, you're like, geez, you know, is this really what nature was intended for? Is me just depleting an entire, you know, Ecosystem. species? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. It's not good. Um, but they come back, you know, <laughs> they're always they, out they, there. They, they respawn. Yeah, they respond so, just like nature. Do, do you do the missions at all or do you just stay in that like past the original opening area and that's where you just hang out and ride your horse? I don't do many of the missions. I find that 
so Red Dead Online is very different from the campaign. Like the campaign, it gives you stuff to do and you're sort of on this path. And yes, you can go off, but you sort of, you know, you're guided a little bit. Whereas online, you're just kind of out there. And there is some missions, but mostly what I've been doing is the career stuff. Um, and that is, you know, the, the trader and the bootlegger. I love the moonshining stuff. I think that's great too, except for the fact that you go on these missions and I have to kill 108 federal agents. Like, what is that all about? Like, can't I just make moonshine in my little shack and sell it, you know, for a profit? Do I have to also become a serial killer in the process to do it? I think that that's a little bit ridiculous. And I feel bad when I do that. There's a lot of feeling bad in the games that I do, Um, which is why. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, which is why I also play like other games like Traveler's Rest, which is this little $10 game where you run a tavern in a fantasy medieval world and you brew beer and you cook food and you basically serve guests and make money. And I love it. It's like Stardew Valley combined with brewing, um, which is great. So that's awesome. Yeah, I don't feel bad about that at all. Um, and it and it really, you know, satisfies all the the money making stuff that I love in games. That's the thing with me for MMOs too, is that um a lot of times I'll just sit at the auction house and and do that. You know, I had in Swotar when the game came out, I was one of the first people to have the super fancy speeder because I made millions of credits and didn't know what else to buy it on. Um, when, you know, when the next MMO came out, I just went right to the auction house and never left. Uh, and, and that becomes sort of a thing with gaming for me is that I'm always looking to find how I can make the most money, um, as quickly as possible. The third game I will say is Among Us. If you've never played Among Us, uh, find like four or five of your closest friends and do this. You can play it for free on your phone. Uh, but you can also buy it on Steam for like five bucks. And it is hilariously fun. You're all goofy little uh, spacemen in a spaceship and you have to fix the spaceship, except one of you is a murderer and you don't know which one. And so then every now and then somebody will show up dead and you have to vote to see who killed him or you could just call a vote and vote somebody. But as soon as you vote for that person, you throw them out of the airlock and, and then you find out whether or not that was the right person. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a blast. I've been doing that a little bit. And then the last one is the long dark, which is just the ultimate survival game. There's a lot of survival games out there, but the long dark, I think is the most hardcore one I've ever played. There's no like zombies. There's no nothing like that. Uh, it's largely you against just the elements and wolves, uh, is your biggest thing because you're up in Canada and the wolves are uh, unnaturally aggressive, I would say. It is great fun. You should try that one. I think I saw like a trailer or something of The Long Dark. That seemed really interesting. And also, uh, of course, Among Us has been all over Reddit uh, recently. Or I feel like a lot of social media. I think that Among Us is the flavor of the week. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But The Long Dark is that's a sleeper that's a sleeper good game you should if you're into survival games at all and you are willing to be patient then you should definitely try the long dark i will give it uh two thumbs up and it's like put out i think by like the canadian government or something like that like it's it's crazy what? Uh, really? yeah like there's something like film canada films or something like that i don't know it says at the beginning of it and i was like whoa that seems strange but um 
yeah, like everything is about surviving and keeping your core temperature up and, um, and, you know, gathering what resources you have and scrambling to kind of find this stuff. It's not like in a lot of games where you walk outside and punch a tree, you know, and get right. wood out of it. Uh, it's, it's pretty hardcore and it's really, really cool. That sounds awesome. Well, I'm still back on Red Dead Online. And <laughs> because the main question is, would you say Red Dead Online is more of an MMO than it is, you know, just an online game? Red Dead Online is hard to describe because it wants to be an MMO, but it doesn't really have that. So the, the, one of the defining features of an MMO is the guild mechanic, right? The fact that you can join a guild and be, you know, together and, and sometimes just hang out and things like that. And that at least has not been my experience in Red Dead Online. Um, you can do multiplayer things, but it sort of just dumps you into a, uh, a queue or something like that. And you get paired with people the same way that you would on like a MOBA or something like that. Right. Um, so it doesn't have that guild mechanic, which I think is core to being an MMO. Sure. It's like a solo MMO. If that's such a thing, right? Like it's a huge world and you kind of go out and do your own thing, but it can be a little bit lonely, which makes sense in the Wild West. Or you can be a psychotic 12 year old with twitch muscles and just only do these missions where you run around with 37 other cowboys that want to murder you. And sure, that's fine, too. Right. I mean, it's not what I do. I just, you know, <laughs> murder federal agents to try to get my moonshine for a better price. Right. Um, and then to your long, dark thing. So survival games for me are tough to play because I feel like they're so intense. Like I feel like by when I'm done playing a survival game, even like a uh, call of duty war zone where like the stakes are high and you know, if you die, you're done. I feel like my shoulders and my neck get tense because I'm like stressed yeah, trying to survive. Right? Like that. Yeah, is, exactly. That is an like, exhausting style of gameplay. Exactly. And some people love it. And I just say, I I enjoy it, but I can't do it. Uh, there was another survival game I played. Um, oh, shit. It was the Ark game where it's like dinosaurs mm -hmm. and you land and you're completely butt naked and you start mm -hmm. your life like that. And I was stressed out from the beginning. Even when we I played the New World um, Alpha a year ago, whenever it was. And you land and like you're trying to chop wood and then all of a sudden dude, some dude's coming over with an axe and chopping your head off. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do this. Um, I, I think that the other people in those survival games is the worst part about them. Right. The, well, of course, when I when I was playing that dinosaur game, I'm like, this is sweet. I get dinosaur pets. <laughs> and so, you know, I have my stegosaurus named Steve and me and Steve, you know, I'd ride Steve around and Steve worked like a pack horse. And, you know, he'd gather up all the stuff and bring it back. And me and Steve would build a house and. And then, you know, you, I would be fine if I never ran into another human uh, in that game. It would be just great. Me and Steve and various other pets and, you know, build a big house and great. Um, but that's not what most people want to do. You know, they want to have big fights and wars and stuff like that. And right. right. Steve drowned, by the way. That was a sad day. Sorry, so Steve. Steve, too. 
<laughs> Steve Two came along. <laughs> Steve Two. Steve was rest in peace. Steve. Yeah, Steve wasn't even cold in the water, and Steve Two was on the way. <laughs> That's like your uh, betta fish that you have. You, <laughs> right. name, you name him Blue, and he goes away, and you get Blue too. Oh my God! So when I, I was get... young, I had Goldie for like ten years, not realizing that it was like probably Goldie twenty four or something like that. <laughs> it was just this endless cycle of Goldies. That's awesome. Uh, Nick, what have you been up to other than working your ass off? Yes. Uh, besides, yes, a whole lot of work. Work is particularly busy. I don't really know why. It's just been chaos. But anyways, in more positive things. So, James, I don't know if you know, but I play paintball competitively. Uh, I did not know that. Yes. Marcus used to as well for many, many years. He and I on the yeah. same team at one point. for Actually, for most of the time. But um, So, I played i'll give a quick backstory i played paintball competitively from started playing generally when i was 12 started competing at 15 and then played through high school and then actually played for yukon's paintball team and then after i graduated from yukon i didn't i stopped playing for four years or so um three years yeah three years and now i had just gotten back into it this season so I joined sort of a pickup team that had a really good coach. Long story short, we ended up getting um, absorbed into this larger organization that has like a real owner that finances things. And it's like a a real sort of sports organization, which I had honestly never been a part of before for paintball. It was very cool. Um, and so we finally this week got real jerseys that have like our names on them and they're sponsored by has all the sponsors of the team on them and and things like that. It was just a really cool validation of, of me, of like the work I put in to kind of come back and sort of that validation. That is super, super cool. Yeah. <laughs> what, color, what color is the jersey? They're black with gray accents, and then the logos are gold. Cause it's, so yeah, the, the name of the team is uh, Chris Ward Electric, or CWE Power, because the owner, own, Chris Ward, owns an electric company. So nice. uh, naturally, the paintball team would be called Power, because electric power. They're very cool jerseys. Um, I'll during the break I'll post up a photo of them so you guys can see. But <clears throat> I was really, really it was just really like cool validation and positivity to get like, hey, you've been working hard to like sort of prove that you should be involved in this organization that's already established and, and things like that. It's like finally here's the the you know. Granted, I've been on the team for a long time now for a few several months, most of the season. But to have the jersey that really signifies it was was really validating. But so does everybody on the team have a jersey or is it kind of like as as you guys need a jersey, they get a jersey? No, we've had the same the same roster of nine, nine players the entire season. So we all I mean, so, Marcus, we're power two. So we're the division four. Right, right, right. I get that part. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious if like the other eight teammates had the jersey and then you just earned yours or did your whole team just get their jersey? No, our whole team did. Actually, so we were supposed to get them last event, but our Chris Ward, the owner, he had them in the back of his pickup truck in a box and forgot. And was like, oh, yeah, I'll bring them to the field when I go, you know, this weekend or whatever. And he, I'll put them in the back of the truck so I don't forget. And in one of his, you know, work adventures, he left the tailgate of the pickup truck down and never and they Ooh. slid out. And he could oh, my him. God. Yeah, so it was like three hundred dollars worth of jerseys. Yeah, just like poof gone. Probably more actually. Probably four hundred eight custom jerseys. 
nine custom jerseys have to be expensive. But oh, so that delayed the us getting them by about three weeks, and now they finally came in this week, which was really cool. Sweet. So uh, I'll go with the more boring sort of topic. I played. Excuse me. I played some more Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is always fun, always engaging. Me and Al jammed for a little bit the other day, um, but in a way more sort of. I don't know, new and exciting sense. I played the Call of Duty Black Ops Alpha on PlayStation 4 last week, which was really cool. Uh, I am dying to hear about this. So, I, as you know, usually I play on, on PC. So I was not playing keyboard and mouse. I was playing, you know, it was a little weird adjusting back to a controller. Sure. But that being said, once I had, you know, my buttons back properly and things... Um, there's some substantial changes to the core gameplay mechanic. I mean, it's Call of Duty, so... And granted, this is only multiplayer. I couldn't play Warzone. I couldn't play Zombies. I couldn't do any campaign things. Um, so there's no mounting like there is in, in Modern Warfare. And if you've never played Which Modern Warfare... Which is War- good. Yeah, that's a good thing. For, I hated that. Um, mounting in Modern Warfare, you would like run up to, say, a corner of a building, and then you could pop out of it like peek out around it sideways but you you have to like lock onto it basically and then unlock to to leave it was sort of annoying and a lot of your challenges for your gun camos required you to do that like get 100 kills while mounted or something like that so just annoying um also everyone has instead of your say in most call duty games before um in modern warfare here you had 100 health hp now in Black Ops Cold War, you have 125 HP. So that's interesting. So the time to, they call it the time to kill, which is a TTK, a thing I learned, but uh, before the alpha came out, is is longer than usual. So you have to shoot people more to kill them, which is kind of interesting because um, it's not quite as like insta death. It's it's like a bullet or two maybe depending on the gun you're using, but it's like enough to be like, okay, I really gotta sort of focus on killing this one person first. You know, if you're just like a crowd or something, it's yeah. harder to like just sort of spray around and get like three or four people. Um, that seems like a very significant change to me. Like it that is. seems like something that is a very large change to the gameplay. I'm Definitely. surprised that they went with a 25% increase like that. Well, see, I read that it was 25%, but when I was playing, it didn't feel like 25%, if that makes sense. It felt like a... Uh, it's hard to put a number out, but it felt like a 10% change. It felt like I was shooting people with like one or two extra bullets to the tune of like an extra half second at the most of like sort of time on target. I don't know if that's a thing, but well, I, I, I understand, but it almost makes me think. So you throw a grenade at somebody. Are they going to die from that explosion or are they going to survive because of the 125? Right. That's a good question. Um, or like a shotgun or something that you would expect to kill the guy with, right? Right. And like then he just right. sort of One shakes shot. it off and then also shoots you back. Right. It it was definitely interesting. I mean, I did end up playing fine, but what I found was that some of the, especially on maps where you can get close quarters, like um, they have a Miami map and everything's all cool neon colors and stuff. And then obviously that lends itself to a lot of close range indoor sort of um, encounters. Encounters. I found like a submachine gun spray and pray approach was way better, way more effective than sort of some of the loadouts I typically use in modern warfare, where I'll have like an assault rifle with a scope on it, like an ACOG that's four times, you know, 
I felt like I long story short, I felt like the engagement distances in Black Ops were a lot closer than in Modern Warfare. And also strangely, some of the sniper rifles were a lot more prevalent. Maybe it's just because I was only playing with people who are like really passionate about Call of Duty. So there's a lot of people using just snipers and quick quick shotting me. <laughs> but I think like the time to aim down sight for sniper rifles was a lot quicker in Black Ops, which I thought was interesting. Well, that's Treyarch, me, that's me it, by the way. I'm I'm an unrepentant camper when it comes to <laughs> games like that. I will find a spot with a long line down a tunnel. And if you go in there, I'm like the beltway sniper. Like I'm just aiming at a spot. And if you get in that spot, you're going to die. It's it's the death. Yeah. So I am. The reason why I like the Treyarch Call of Duties is because they generally feel faster. And the aiming has always been faster in the Treyarch version of Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. It's just for me, that is my Call of Duty. Where right. some people love the original mon- uh, the Modern Warfares or the Infinity Ward versions because it, it completely plays different. The, right. the thing that um, concerns me now is you're going to get this new Cold War game and it's going to be done by Treyarch, but they're saying that it's still going to be the Modern Warfare war zone. So you could be playing the black ops i mean the cold war multiplayer but mm-hmm. then you jump into their battle royale which is the modern warfare war zone and it's going to play like a complete different game right i mean so i feel i'm like really curious yeah, go ahead. I, I feel really like i don't know how that transition is going to feel and i think the game is going to be affected by it i think that's a valid concern um because that's it they are they definitely play dramatically differently but i for me i feel like the multiplayer in Modern Warfare and the Warzone in Modern Warfare also play very differently. Not necessarily in terms of feel and mechanics, but like what you have, the gameplay style has to be really different. So it's almost like you may not, those mechanics being different might not be that big of a deal, if that makes sense. It does a lot. And then, so other than 125 health, that 25% increase, what else change that you noticed? Um, so you also have, it didn't come into play very often, but you also have match long kill streaks. So let me explain what that means. So you can, I'll give an example. Say I have UAV is four kills. Um, a predator missile is six, five. six, yeah, five or six. And then like a, a VTOL jet is eight, right? So if you, that's a kill streak, like, you know, kills in a row, you have to get those. Or you can get your VTOL if you get 30 kills total in the match and they're not streaked or something like that. It's Oh, that's interesting. They're like score streaks. So like, granted, you're probably like, if you don't ever get your eight kill streak, but you maybe you get 30 kills eventually towards the end of the match. It's like, oh, hey, you're just because you didn't streak your kills doesn't mean you don't deserve sort of some kind of reward for like still getting a high number. Wow, that's awesome. That yeah. is an actual. So, how many times do I dominate? And let's say I'll go. I'll be modest and say I go fourteen, but I go fourteen and seven. And you got two kills, death. Two kills, death every time. Right. Yeah. yeah two kills, death. Two kills, death. But I still did good, and I placed third on the team. Right. Right. But it. But I ended up because I got f- ten kills. I unlocked a UAV. 
Right. Exactly. That's that's you know, and that is recognizing that the game is fast paced and people may not get earn all those kills in a row. Right. So why not just give it people incentive to get the kills rather than earning kill streaks? Just get the kills and earn it that way. Yeah, and yeah, I think, I think it incentivizes a completely different style of play, right? Like it incentivizes mm-hmm. those people that are just flying around and killing people, but very often get killed themselves. Right. That is my style of play. That is definitely what they're going for. I think um, I saw a tweet from one of the developers that he used the word twitchy. Like they are, they are sort of trying to reward that twitchy gameplay of just like spritz around oh there's a pixel shoot die death okay next pixel next pixel next pixel right Um, which is pretty interesting i think that's a lot um definitely a lot different than modern warfare i think another sort like along those lines that maps sort of offer a lot more even say okay so miami is a lot of buildings right but even there's a map that's like where three quarters of it it's just open desert with dunes but the rest of the map is close quarters like a rock formation. So I think it, a lot of these maps incentivize close quarters combat or sniping with like these really dramatic differences between close quarters and sort of really long exaggerated sight lines. And that's going to make it really interesting for your loadout because if you go to the desert, you're going to want a sniper rifle and your backup uh, pistol or whatever it's called, your sidearm, you're going to want that to be a submachine gun. Right. So you have best of both worlds. So that's going to be a, you know, you're going to want, what is that? Um, what's overkill? that? It's not scavenging. Yeah, overkill where you get to carry two uh, main weapons. That's going to be huge for a loadout for that map. Right. Oh, I got to talk about the perks after too. I forgot to write that down. Um, so... Also, along those lines, the visibility of your enemies is, is a lot better me, or, than like you too. So the player characters stand out dramatically more against the background than they do in Modern Warfare. And I noticed that a big time going from playing Cold War back to Modern Warfare, I like couldn't see anybody for the first two matches. And what I mean by that is like in Modern Warfare, the players sort of blend into the shadows a lot more. And, you know... It's I don't know how they're doing this, but it I noticed the difference, and I saw that people wrote about it online that it's a purposeful sort of change. So you're supposed to be able to pick them out a little more easily. Um, online, oh, that's good. Yeah, so it's just that's just a little sort of graphic change. But also, there's health bars for all the enemies, so you see their name and a health bar as you're shooting them above their head. Hmm. Which does two things. One, obviously, you can see like, oh, I almost killed him. But two. That's a that's a lot more visibility. It's a big red bar if you just hover, you know, your your cursor over them. You can see, you can that's a lot more of a, a larger visual cue to say, "Hey, there's an enemy here besides the red name popping up." Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. I I didn't that was kind of like for me, I was like kind of lukewarm about it. I didn't really care. I, it was nice to be like in those almost kill situations like, "Oh, I I need one more bullet to get him or something." And it sort of it emphasized that 125 health for me. I could see like, oh, like, yeah, I feel like he would have died if this was Modern Warfare, but he still had, you know, 20% of his health left or something. Sure. But um, I'm excited for this. Definitely. One last thing before we move on. I know I'm taking an eternity on Black Ops Cold War. Um, they have the, you can ch- choose, I forget what they call it, but it's like a specialty or something like that where you can choose how you pick your perks. So typically you have like, you can pick a perk from 
slot one per, and one from slot two and one from slot three. Well, there's different ones where you can pick six perks total, two from each. You can pick six, four perks total from any category or something like that. You can pick no perks, but have, um, you know, unlimited attachments on your primary gun or something like that. So there's different sort of really a lot more options on how you can customize your loadout, which I thought were really cool. That is sweet. You know, I like I like hearing this stuff because it just means they're they're finally somewhat listening and they're saying, look, at they're basically making a sandbox first person shooter when it comes to customization. They're saying, here's all the tools. You guys do whatever you want. We don't care. But if you want if you just want one badass gun with every attachment that they make, do that. But you're not going to be able to have any perks. Right. I think you can have two or something. But yeah, it's you're dramatically limited. Very that's confidence in the programming too. I mean, that's confidence in the way that they've designed the game to allow that kind of flexibility. Because the more flexibility you allow the player to have, the more likely they are to break it. And so their willingness to to let you package things how you want to package them is is that's impressive level, you know, confidence in the player or in themselves, I guess. Yeah, it, to be able to balance like do enough R&D. I guess that would be R&D, right? Like Game testing, I suppose. Yeah. Play testing. Mm-hmm. That's the, the yeah. phrase I'm looking for. Enough play testing to know, okay, this isn't going to be, you know, game breakingly overpowered, you know, in any configuration you can come up with, which is pretty interesting. I'm uh, pretty cautiously optimistic here. I'm looking forward to playing it. I can't wait for the game. I, I hope we get a, a PC beta. But, anyways, enough of my rambling here. Marcus, uh, how's it going? And what have you been up to? So do you want the real world or the game world first? Let's go real world real world first and then game world after. Um so I put my house on the market this week and you want I I've been so stressed out. I'm at my house now. I'm in my basement and there's nothing down here except a couch and my computer desk. <laughs> um it, it used to, it used it, to be Toyland. It was like Santa's it, workshop. It, exactly. And um I'm I'm really at an odds in, I don't even know how to say it. I'm at like this weird point where my house is so empty. It doesn't even feel like my house anymore. And I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. And what boggles my mind is people want to see your house empty. So people don't want to see any like extra stuff because in people's mental in their headspace, they think they're like the least cluttery people on the planet. So when they walk in and see your clutter, they're like, Oh, they're hoarders. But then you go to their house and they're, they're actually hoarders too. So for me, I'm looking at my house and it's completely empty. And I feel like my house has no soul right now. Like the kid toys are at a minimum and my basement is I'm turning around. Yep. Pretty goddamn empty. And it's really it really is fucked with my head big time. And I can imagine that's gotta be strange. And, and we had so many people at the open house and so many people on day two for the show that well, it's really day three on the market, but it's like day two of people actually seeing it. And then today is day three, but it's really day four. And we had another 12 showings today. It's just, it's absolute mayhem. And I, it's, it's really an odd feeling but on the flip side, the things that you use every single day, you don't even realize they're clutter. 
I'll give an example. Okay. Dog bowl. Okay? Yeah. You think of a dog bowl, you're like, it's a dog bowl, right? Can't be in the house for a showing because the people that are looking at it may not be dog people. So that dog bowl may say, oh, this house is disgusting, even though my house is spotless. Like, my house is not... Like, I would eat on the floors right now. That's how goddamn clean this house is. And, <laughs> like... Do you have, like, a but, psychotic so, realtor or something like that that is just it's, laying no, down it's, it's the law? No, it's just the way what? it is. No, it's just the way it is. People don't want to... Like, it's crazy. But anyway, so the best part of this whole thing is the the staging lady, when she came to tell me what I needed to do, she said, your desk has to go away. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, not a fucking chance. There is not a goddamn chance in this planet that I'm taking down my desk so some jerk face can buy my house. Not a chance. (laughs) Not at all. So they go through my house and see this beautiful kitchen, beautiful living room, nice bedrooms, nice bathrooms, all this stuff they get in the basement. I wish I could see, like, I wish there was a camera here to read the reaction. Like, what the fuck is going on over here? Like, can you imagine, like, I have the foam, the black foam pads for sound on the walls. I've got two giant 27-inch monitors. I've got a giant desktop. Like, it looks like a, on the desk, it's like a spaceship. Plus, there's a mic, and the mic is lit up. So are they like, is it listening? (laughs) And this ridiculous Razer webcam with these this mouse that has a million buttons Oh, mind you, there's a Star Wars Datacron sitting on the desk, too. So these people are like, what in the fuck is happening over here? Please tell me. It's Please like that help. scene. It's like that scene when Fox comes down into Batman's uh, cave and he's got like a hundred monitors. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Looking at it like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. So that's the only thing that I wish I could like acquire is just the, that first reaction when they see my computer desk because that's the only thing i refuse to get rid of everything else fine i'm okay with it but don't take my soul away from me i i think that's a perfectly valid sort of hill to die on with the realtor like this needs to stay if i'm stay, i'm gonna be living in this house while we show yeah, you i mean you're still living in this house right oh but we're not like my wife and my children haven't been in this house since like friday because, well, they're coming home tomorrow, but we we knew the showings were going to be insane. When you have little kids, like my kids are little, you can't, they can't come home and, you know, and then all of a sudden we get a call. Oh, you got a showing in an hour. All right, kids, we got to go. You know what I mean? I think last night our last showing was like 7.30 or 8 p.m. I mean, mayhem. Yeah. I, I'm I'm very eager for this to be over and i'm only at day four that is insanity i had an entirely different experience when i bought my house the dude was still in it in like a pair of gym shorts on the couch when we went in with the realtor and he's like yeah take a look around like you're not supposed to be here (laughs) get out of here Uh, i don't know where you live but man in iowa little different (laughs) well it's it's definitely different where we live in massachusetts it's very um high risk, high reward for houses. So you're either going to make a shit ton of money or you're going to make an adequate amount of money. And it all depends on how your house shows. Um, huh. That's what I would say about here. So anyway, ugh. so s- for the record, <laughs> selling a house sucks. Okay. Noted. Moving. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. I In SOTOR, I've been working. 
on um, nightmare explosive conflict with damage control for a while. So they were, um, when 6.0 came, I decided I wanted to join a new team. That was last October, somewhere after, like right after the launch. And they were working on, um, they were planning on doing nightmare explosive conflict. So it, it, when it, when 6.0 first came out, nightmare content was nearly impossible for new teams to figure like to do because they didn't tune it. Correct. Whatever. So we did hard mode gods from the machine, which I've talked about on this podcast. So we started working on nightmare explosive conflict. Now I switched to playing a tank in 6.0 and I'm telling this long song and dance, which ever, all of our listeners actually know this because playing nightmare has been it. It's really hard when a game is 10 years old to start playing hard, hard content because most of the people that I'm playing with have cleared this content many times. So when you clear the content many times, they're almost like, dude, how are you not understanding what you have to do? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this team has been great with me. They've helped me. And tonight that not tonight, but last Saturday was the night where we were working on the nightmare tanks, um, Firebrand and Stormcaller for so long that I knew that like if we didn't beat it, the team would just be defeated because like everybody was like, we just need to move past this. So we finally did it. Um, uh, there's a clip on Twitch of me and my reaction. Like if you ever want to know what pure joy with Marcus sounds like or looks like, watch that clip. Um, I was so excited. And one of my teammates is like, Marcus got tanks. Shout out to chaos. And um, I went bananas. I was so excited. And then to top it off, we cleared the next boss in the same night, the minefield. Um, so it was, it was fantastic. It felt, I felt so accomplished and I worked so hard because I was the only one that didn't know the fight and I had to learn and I made many mistakes and yeah, it's fantastic. Congratulations. So woot, yes. Woot, woot. Um, Death our troopers. So, we're going through some growing pains right now. Um, and we may be losing another player or maybe two. So I, I have a feeling that the team is going to have to make some changes soon. And it's really hard, man. Run rating. I shouldn't say rating uh, a raid leading on a team raid, leading a team that does hard content. It's hard to find players that can do that content. And you have to almost focus on finding the right player that fits the personality, even if the team has to take a little step back to teach that player. Um, but it's good. Uh, shout out to Bo because Bo came back. He left the uh, team a little while ago, um, but we had a DPS opening and he came back, which is really good because I really like Bo. Moving on. I started playing World of Warcraft again. I actually subbed to the game. Whoa. And yeah. And actually, I'm really enjoying it because I have no ties to it. I've never seen the content and I can understand why. Do you guys remember that South Park episode with that guy that just sat at the desk? Yes. Uh, the World of Warcraft oh, guy. I mean, it's a legendary episode. Okay. So I understand why there were people like that guy now that I've played WoW. So if you played WoW in 2004, that game changed the world. 
and I just did my first two dungeons of that game, and they were fantastic. Now, yes, Wow, uh, Sotor came out in 2011. Wow came out in 04. Did you not so, play Wow in 04? Like in no, back in the I never day? played an MMO until um, Sotor. Oh my god! So I played Sotor when it first launched in 11 for two weeks. And then I was like, I can't do this game. It's too slow paced. I'm going back to Call of Duty with all my friends. I picked up Sotor one day when it was about three months before my daughter was born. So five years ago, almost. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw my Malgus statue and I always liked the whole idea of Malgus. And I was like, man, I never finished that story. And I booted it up and I got hooked instantly and the class story. And I feel like in my age allowed me to slow down a little bit to enjoy that game because playing Sotor, you almost have to accept a slower paced game because there's <sighs> running around planets is not enjoyable for anybody. Like, okay. Yeah. You can like <laughs> watching the vast mountains of Alderaan or the dune sea and like get that nostalgia back, but really truly going from point A to point B from point A to point B for questing is not really exciting for me. Right. But the, but the content of the storylines is, it's, you know, when you get your dialogue choices and seeing what you want to do and light side choice or dark side choice, that part is really exciting, but it's that middle part that really bogs me down. And so that's why, um, and that's why I, I don't enjoy the questing in SOTOR but what about World of Warcraft that is interesting is questing is different. It's pure questing. So basically, you get into an area. There's five people to do quests from. When those are done, the game is sending you to the next area to do more questing. It's not a story-based quest. It's just questing. And you just do it until the next part. And like you don't have any attachment. There's no storyline. You just quest and quest and quest and quest. It's fun. It's 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 really laid back, but I feel like you're constantly moving, and while you're moving, you're always doing a quest. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't ever feel like I'm traveling the the vast mountains or or, or this deep city of uh, Narshada just to get to this other guy to give him you know three credits so he can give me a security key, and then I got to go all the way back. Right. This is just basically run around in a circle, do five quests, and move into the next zone. Um, and you have to understand, too, that that was kind of revolutionary as well. Like, we could do a whole show on the improvements that World of Warcraft made over every MMO, which was basically, you know, Ultima and uh, whatever. EverQuest. Else, EverQuest, the other one, right? There was only like two. They thought at that time that the market for an MMO was about 200,000 people tops. Um, and Warcraft came in and just blew everyone's mind because it had things like that where you didn't have to travel because they were doing that before in EverQuest and, and Ultimate, you know, you'd go a long ways and you'd have to find these quests. And then when you were there, if you died, it was like horribly punishing. Right. And so Warcraft right. fixed a lot of that stuff. And so I find it super fascinating that now your experience having not played Warcraft is that Swotor and other MMOs after that are bringing back this unnecessary travel to the game. That's yes. really kind of fascinating. Yeah, I was like a launch Warcraft player and 
I was everything that they write the articles about, you know, the guy that just fell into it and could not find uh, which way was up anymore. So many of my friends did. I just think I didn't have a console, uh, a PC back then, so I couldn't play it. I didn't PC game back then, so that was my... I was a hardcore Xbox player, and that was just the way it was. Back in 04 was the Xbox 360, right? Yes. Um, The other thing is, too, about WoW is I'm seeing all this for the first time. So when you tell people in our guild that I'm doing this in WoW... People think like I haven't done it in a long time, but when they actually hear me in discord saying, wow, this is pretty cool. Wow. This is pretty cool. One guy said, wait, you've never seen this dungeon before. No, (laughs) this is the first dungeon that was ever released. And I said, no, they're like, oh my God, you got to come to this one. And next thing you know, we, me and uh, shout out to Coralie because Coralie helped me out a lot too. Um, We, we ended up doing like two dungeons and people were excited to help me. And like Corley's just hanging out with me and we're doing these quests together. It was so much fun. Um, so yeah. Anyway, oh God, can you imagine that? Like absolutely people are going to want to help you out. They're like reliving their childhood for God's sakes. But that's right. what I'm saying. The game's been out for 15 years or something. And I'm doing, I'm playing content that's 15 years old that I've never seen in my life. Yeah. And they've probably run it a hundred times. And thousands and you know and this goes to a larger point about mmos uh which is what i call chasing the dragon like you cannot get that high that you got the first time you go on to like the main island i remember i started as a night elf and you start on this little tiny island which was of course enormous right like because there wasn't anything that big at that time and you and i thought that was the whole game and then i took a boat uh, <laughs> to the mainland and i started like wandering around i'm like this is really big and then i expanded out the map and then i expanded out the map again i'm like oh my god and you will never get that experience again and so to even capture anything as close to that uh as as taking somebody else through it the first time i mean that's the dream right yes and to top all that off, it's just I and all this was created in 04, right? Mm-hmm. That's what is blowing my mind. And then the biggest thing is, is you can swim in the game and go underwater. Okay. In Sotor, no, Sotor, every all the water in Sotor is knee deep. It's true. All oh, right. Yeah. But the whole galaxy uh, it, of knee deep water. Okay. <laughs> moving on past wow so i started okay so nick 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 bullied me everybody so i was uh i don't Hell know if I was, yeah, yeah I, I did so i was streaming and i was doing a bonus stream this week and i was gonna play wow and nick was like fuck you marcus you're gonna play fallen order because you need to finish that game and i'm like eh. and he's like no, no no you have to and he just kept texting me and texting me and he bullied me into it so i played it and I had a great time, but you talk about survival games that are kind of tense. Um, I know Fallen Order is an action game, but I'm so passionate about Star Wars that I feel I'm tense when I play that game because out of nowhere, these um, uh, Dathomirian men, uh, I forget what they're called. Um, oh, like the Knight Brothers or whatever. The Knight called. Brothers, that's it. Yeah, the Knight Brothers. 
they come out and those those guys are tough as shit to beat. Oh, yeah. So you see one and you got to beat one and you're like, man, do I really got to beat another one of and these they just guys? Live behind corners too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then the stupid arrow guys, oh. and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Mark, anyway, is, it was funny. I watched a good. I think most of the stream basically, and uh, I was kind of obligated to after I forced him into playing Fall in Order. You didn't force me. You bullied me. Let's just be clear. <laughs> yeah. But is it really bullying if it's like for your better, for your betterment? Pretty it's sure. Just, well, it's, it, like, it, it's no. like positive peer pressure, you know? No, no, no. That wasn't it's peer like, pressure. It's like, hey, hey, man, cut the shit. Stop doing crack and go study. You know, Get into the po- library, man. Get in yeah. there. No, no. Yeah, no, no. He was basically like, Marcus, don't suck tonight. Play Fallen Order and beat it and shut up. I should and really say Yes, you should. So anyway, um, and in that game, it, like I said, it just makes me tense. But the rewards in that game are really big. So I do not like to adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about this before, like Breath of the Wild. That game is amazing. But I am very, very. I like to be directed where to go. I don't like somebody to say, OK, Marcus, here's here's Breath of the Wild. You've got through the tutorial. Good luck. Right. You can go 12 places. We're not going to tell you where to go. I don't like that. I like to give me a direction that I can go. And like back when uh, like Final Fantasy 7 and Final Fantasy 8, I knew where I had to go, but I would fight so many enemies over and over or even like Pokemon games. Like I would just sit in this one area and just catch Pokemon for hours, not progress the story because I wanted to level up in my tunes to be great. Right. My Pokemon to be great. Same thing in... <laughs> um. All, like other games, but for me, like I don't like adventuring. I don't like, I like direction and that I do like about fallen order. Cause they're like, okay, we just beat Dathomir and I went there before and I didn't have all the skills because Dathomir is my favorite planet of all the star uh, Sotor planets. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my, like, if I could live anywhere, it'd be Dathomir. Anyway. Dathomir. Oh my know, God. I love right? it. I love it. I hated Dathomir. What is wrong and, you know, with you? Because Why? I'm so, it's because like, it's, it's like wanting it's, to live in a haunted house. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. I, I it's because it's so dark, and I would bring so much light to that place. I know I could change it. Anyway, moving on. Oh my god. Yes, I love you Dathomir. And, you and your light side is right side shenanigans. It's always, always. Anyway, I, I'm just rambling on. Anyway, okay. so I started watching. So we finished the Clone Wars. We talked about that. I started watching Rebels. I'm at season two, episode 10, I think. Um, I find that now after all the new style of TV shows have come out where there's less episodes, I don't appreciate the filler episodes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the Chopper and uh, what's the uh, Ezra missions that mean nothing. You know what I mean? They're just going to like do something and they run into some trouble and then they come back like that filler episode. I guess I don't appreciate that as much because I'm like, all right, let's get to the point. Let's continue this story. You know what I mean? But then you get the, then you get an episode with the inquisitors and you're like, hell yeah, here we go. Um, so yeah. Anyway, um, in SOTOR news, there's a shit ton of stuff. So I'm going to, I'm just going to scan through it and let you guys just bounce back stuff on me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know the things that I want to talk about. So you guys just get ready. 
So join Musco. I think it's Chris Schmidt and Dan Steed on Thursday, September 24th at 2 p.m. Central. I don't know why they even say that because Central time doesn't mean anything to us. I know. It's 3 o'clock. <laughs> yes, it's 3 p.m. Eastern for all the normal people out there. 3 p.m. Eastern on September 24th. Sotor is going to be doing a live stream, which they're very due. They said they were going to be doing that um, in September. They're going to be talking about the new Feast of Prosperity event, which is going to be a once-a-year event. It's clearly going to be around Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, and they're going to be talking about the new incoming changes to conquests and more stuff. There's a shit ton of stuff coming. But, gentlemen, they heard the community. So Disney is not allowing anybody to create Yoda Baby. Okay. So Sotor is releasing a hover pod on the cartel market pet. Oh, the implication oh you get the pod. Okay. So the, so the pod, um, oh, that jersey's sweet, Nick. Yoda, um, Yoda pod. Saw, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the Yoda pod that is in the Mandalorian will be available on the cartel market. Um, I think you can see it now on the PTS. Um, that they just released because they just released the 6.1.4 PTS update. I'm looking on discord right now and yeah, it's called, um, the hover pod. Yeah. It's on the PTS right now and it looks just like Yoda baby's hover pod. So (laughs) I am, uh, pretty pumped for that. Yeah. I want that. I want the hover pod. I love that you call it Yoda baby instead of baby Yoda. It is Yoda, baby. Marcus has always got to be different. It's like a dyslexic version of, <laughs> of the Mandalorian. <laughs> Marcus's explanation was that it's not literally baby Yoda. It's a Yoda style baby. It's a Yoda, yeah, because Yoda well, no, it, it, yes. Well, yeah, but see, here's the thing. We don't actually know what race Yoda is. So what if the race is Yoda? Well, what about no. Yaddle? Exactly. We got Yaddle, which is a different But name. that's not that's not canon. That is legend. It's what? not no Yaddle was not in canon. the Jedi Council in episode pre- one. She's yeah, right there. She's in the prequels, dude. She's there. But that's well, maybe I don't know. I just call Oh just no man, Yaddle it. Yaddle's in. Okay, so there could be a Yaddle baby too. I <laughs> yes, like the sound that, of that's what I want now is for you to refer to it as Yaddle baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they've determined that it's a boy. Uh, yeah. So right. anyway, so it Yoda, more Yoda it looks more Yoda-ish than Yaddle-ish. Right. So Yoda baby is getting a hover pod in Sotor, which is great. Um, because when they released Fallen Order, you got the um what's the droid's name in Fallen Order? B three. Um, BDO. Uh-huh. BD- BDO. BD- yeah, so you no, got BD- you got a no BDO. BD eight. Yeah, BD eight, BD. Anyways, just, we just call him BD. BD one. BD one. Yes, that's it. BD one. <laughs> so BD one. Yeah. So BD one is. Um, they came out with that BD one droid as a pet for the um when uh Fallen Order was coming out. So I'm pretty pumped that they're getting a hover pod for the game. Congratulations. It is so with, it is BD1 by the way. Okay. Aha. With game up 
with game update 6.1.4.6.15,000, uh, <laughs> we're introducing a new tier of augments to the game with materials added to our prestige game modes. Um, for the for a little background, we try to strike balance between the right time to introduce new power to chase into the game and respecting your time invested into the game and the current maximum level of gear. We also want to refresh interest in our prestige modes by adding a very clear incentive while we work for, on the next batch of new content. So basically, this is filler. They're creating a new tier of augments for Nightmare Raiders and ranked PvP players only. I am 100% against this. Okay, why? Um, I believe that these augments should be available for everybody to earn. It's not a popular statement in the, I will say, the higher end players of the game because they're like regular casual players don't need it. But when there's a a lack of content, people are going to want to grind to get the best gear, even if they don't need it, because that's what an MMO is. They don't care about needing it. They just need something to do. And you can only do the story so many times before you're like, okay, now I want max level gear and max level everything. And what they're doing is it sounds like corporate America. Essentially they're making the top 1% richer, right? So these materials are only going to be available for nightmare rating and ranked PVP. Well, those players are going to be able to sell those mats on the auction house GTN for a giant profit, but casual players who keep the game going aren't going to be able to get these unless they pay these absorbent amount costs to get it. Whether or not they need it or not isn't the matter. People are going to want them because it's the best of the best. And I feel like it's only going to make the rich richer where the other players or the casuals are going to be the ones that are hurt about it. Although I'll, I'll give you this counterpoint though. Wouldn't you say that the casual players aren't the ones that are going to be grinding to get the higher end gear anyway? So they're probably just going to, if they really want it, a lot of those players are just going to buy it anyway. So I feel like because you're already on, essentially only dealing with, okay, let me give you a, just as an example. Say it's like 90% of the people that actually get this top end gear are Nightmare Raiders and PvP ranked PvPers anyway and then the 10% of a regular you know max level gear set are more casual people that ground their you know is ground the right word ground their way up to the max gear level you know grinded. i feel grinded grinded thank you james <laughs> um <laughs> here's the university of course our professor <laughs> showing shining through grammar department <laughs> grammar department um does that make sense with the point I'm trying to make? I feel like you're really only excluding a teeny tiny amount of the game population anyway, so it's not that big a deal is sort of what the point I'm trying to make. Well, I think what you're saying is opposite. So they're excluding the most of the the population of the game because they're only making it available for Nightmare Raiders and ranked PvP players. No, the, so point, you the have point I was to... making was, I don't actually know, but I would feel like those ranked pvpers and nightmare raiders were basically the only people grinding to get up there anyway although that's not true because you you have max level stuff right right exactly yeah, you and, don't really play i mean and, you try to but you don't really often play nightmare only raids that's what you're saying 
Well, I do now, but before, what I'm saying is the casual players need content, right? Yep. So they've already done everything, and now they're just going to sit around and wait for the next gr- the next content drop. When the top 2% of the game does ranked PvP in Nightmare Operations, yeah. what's the other 98% going to do? Because this doesn't affect them. So they're going to watch all of these Nightmare Raiders and ranked PvP players be you know make a giant profit instead of just tier the rewards yeah allow all the players to get it so let's say if you finish a story mode up you get one material if you do a hard mode up you get two materials if you do a a nightmare up you get five materials make it make the the cut really different but allow it to be a be able to be achieved by your casual player yeah i think i'm coming around to your your opinion you know what I mean? Well. Yeah, and, I and I understand and and the nightmare community says they don't, you know, you don't need it. You need to work on being better and learning your rotation, but people don't care. People see that there's a higher tier of gear. Those players are going to want to get that gear because it's going to keep them engaged and keep them playing the game. Right. If you take that out of it, people are going to be turned off and they're not going to be um they're not going to be engaged mm-hmm. and you risk somebody not subbing to the game because they they're like, well, what's the point? I have nothing left to do. Yeah. I think I valid, say, valid criti- you know, valid criticism. Sure. Uh, you know, you can call it, make it universal basic income in SOTOR <laughs> allow everybody <laughs> oh to get. No, I'm just saying, I, I don't know how to say it. Like no, I, I mean, I'm looking at it as hard uh, to argue against you, right? Like what you're saying is don't exclude the vast majority of your players. Just make it rewarding for the people that are doing the top, you know, the f- top 5% hardest things, but don't exclude everybody just as a blanket policy. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. And I understand where the nightmare players and the PVP players are saying casual players don't need the gear, but they're going to want it. So give them an avenue to get it, even though, even if it's insane to get it. Sure. Yeah. Right. Allow these people to get it. And maybe, Hey, what if one player doesn't have a lot of credits and they, they do one story mode up and they get one of those and it sells for a million credits. That person is going to be okay for a little while. He, like he's not going to be able to buy stuff, but he'll have money to be able to do a few things in game and he won't run out for a while. Right. You see what I'm saying? It, yeah. it, it, it just make it anyway. So I've talked about ranked PVP once and I did it once and it was an awful experience. And shout out to Averia, uh, a friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. She she did ranked PvP one day, and the toxicity in the game is really bad. And it really, really got it. Got her. She was taking screenshots. Now, she was live on Twitch when this was happening. They were basically telling her to die and things that they were going to do to her and her family if she didn't quit life. Like, And this is after the match. And what bothers me is like when we play Call of Duty, Nick, you always get the asshole in the party that tells us that like we need to grow up or we need to suck less or anything. But when the match is over, nobody ever says anything to you again. Right. Even if they see your name again, they may talk shit to you again. Oh, I just played with you and you suck, whatever. But most of the time when the match is over, the shit talking is over. Right. Right. Yep. And in SOTOR, it's not. Like they message you and they basically harass you 
and tell you all these things. It happened to me. And I was like, why would I ever play this game mode if this is the way it is? Right. So they are um, they are doing a bunch of things to uh, to try to mitigate some of this toxicity. Mm-hmm. So they're um, they're going to be getting rid of the vote kick during the match. Um, okay. which is really good. So basically if you go in, you can't be vote kicked out by the whole team because if somebody wants to be toxic, they can kick you out. Also too, there's going to be a legacy, uh, mute where let's say my, my legacy is like working class nerds, but let's say I was harassing you James. And then Nick started harassing you when we were harassing you and harassing you, you could actually ban our legacy name now. So all of our tunes that fall under that legacy name can never contact you again. Love it. That's good. That is an awesome quality of life thing. Um, and they're making gear requirements for ranked PVP, which is great. You got to be, you know, there's going to be certain levels you have to be. And I think it's really a good thing. Um, I will, because, there's so much coming out right now for news. I think I'm going to save the big 6.1.4 breakdown for um, the next episode because there's so much information coming out right now and they're doing a live stream in two days. So I don't want to talk about something and then we get the live stream and then there's so much more to talk about again. Right. I'd rather break this all down at once. I just... um. Nick, could you read what the Feast of Prosperity is? It's in the yellow text. Please hold. Let me scroll down to it. Yes. The Feast of Prosperity event features new daily missions, uh, weekly missions, and mini-game activities that you'll be able to participate in on the player test server. Uh, you'll You'll also have access to an introductory mission where you'll meet Gaborga, the Abundant, and Duba the Magnanimous. <laughs> Those have to be hut names. Yeah, something. Uh, the founders of the Feast. And, okay, let me roll through that again. Uh, you'll also have access to an introductory mission where you'll meet Garborga the Abundant and Duba the Magnanimous, the founders of the Feast, and learn a little more about them and their ambitions. Uh, when the event reaches the live servers, a new story mission will unlock every week, but on the PTS, you'll get You'll just get a peek at the introductory story missions. The rewards are not currently set up for the event, so don't be alarmed if you don't see any. We encourage you to check out the dailies, weeklies, and mini games, and provide feedback in the thread below. So that's pretty cool. The Feast of Prosperity. So it's basically their Thanksgiving um, event. Sure. Very cool. I wish they would do one for Black Friday. Anyways. <laughs> Where everybody lines um, up and then has to sprint forward. Like a Yes. Pl- What's, what was that? Fall Guys? They could be like yeah. Sotor Fall Guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. That game is really fun. Uh, I've enjoyed watching people play that game on Twitch because out. they rage so hard. <laughs> like they're almost at the end and then they get hit by one of those spins. It's like that game. We talked about it before. Um, don't get eliminated. Uh, shit, oh, the, like the, the Japanese. The Japanese. Uh, Yes. Yeah, where's game dubbed? Yeah. MXC or something. Like MXC, yeah. Competition. Yes. yes. 
Um, that's what Fall Guys is to me. And they're right at the end, and then that spinning bar knocks the guy off, and the the Twitch streamer just rages no. because like I'm just ah yeah. So in, in Guild news, Mega. That's the monthly Epic Guild activity. Is this Friday, September twenty fifth, twenty twenty, and we're doing an operation. So most of the time when I host a Mega. I do not do operations yep. because, you know, it, that's more of like a mandatory fun night. But I really want to do an operation with the group, with the, the guild, because I haven't done one with them in a while. So we're going to do one. Um, I'm not sure exactly which one. Um, I'm thinking Dread Fortress just because I love that operation and I haven't done it in forever. But uh, stay tuned. Also, too, um, basically... We've decided that Friday nights are going to be fun night for the guild, like a second night. So Mal is hosting um, Flashpoint Fridays where they're getting mounts. Uh, B. Kavanaugh has suggested that we do on the Fridays that there's not a mega or Flashpoint Fridays that they're going to do achievement hunting. So whoever's around, they're going to just pick an achievement and try to go for it that night. So basically... If it's Friday, there's something going on in the guild from this point forward. That's really cool. Hey, yeah. sp- speaking of guild having fun, if all this sounds fun to you, go to aie-guild.org, jump in the Discord, and ask for a guild invite, whether or not you play Star Wars Guild Republic or any of the other games we play. And we mean any of the other games we play. We'd love to have you. So we're talking about Call of Duty, obviously. Cold War, which might we... We might be having some big things uh, coming down the pipeline regarding Cold War and AIE. But anyways, uh, if you play any of the games that we play, we'd love to have you jump at the Discord, ask for an invite, come hang out with us. I know you have to go. I definitely do. We're an hour and ten in, in and my bladder is going to explode. So we'll <laughs> be right back. Jeez, Nick, hurry up. We're trying to finish this podcast. And we're back. So today we're going to war, like I said, uh, but not a real war because those are dangerous. Uh, we're going into a console war. So we're talking about, of course, the new Xbox Series X and Series S versus the PlayStation 5 and its dig- digital only edition. So first things first, Marcus, what do you want to talk about? So uh, I guess I'll. Uh- so today, all right, let's, I'm going to make fun of Xbox or Microsoft. So last week or two weeks ago when the PlayStation, I think it was two weeks ago, they did their pre-orders. Yep. It was a complete and total shit show. They completely failed. There was, you couldn't get on the sites. You couldn't pre-order like the bots all pre-ordered for all like mm-hmm. pre-ordered everything. No, like I know people that had three browsers open they couldn't get it. Some people did get it. I'm not saying people didn't get it, but it was pretty insane. Um, I know. So Microsoft basically win a contest in order to pre-order a PS5. Right. So, so Microsoft came out and was like, pff, pff, you didn't get your PlayStation. No problem. Come to a uh, pre-order day for Xbox. You can get it. We don't suck. And so today at 11 a.m. Eastern, they released the pre-orders. It was worse than the PlayStation. <laughs> so I don't know if I don't know if it was because more people want the Xbox than the PlayStation or or not, but 
Amazon crashed. Like you couldn't even sign into Amazon to even try to pre-order. That's Best Buy's website crashed. It said I was getting the thing error 505 bad gateway. Like wow. it was bad. New egg, new egg didn't even exist for the first 15 minutes. That's crazy. Like yeah, so um I tried Walmart, Target, uh Amazon, all of them. I ended up pre-ordering my system through Best Buy. Um, Best Buy, I think, was the best because it would allow you to click the pre-order button. Hey, Mark, but it kept telling you you're you were sounding all choppy. I think your internet was uh, not working properly. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you go. You went crazy, robot soundy for about twenty seconds back or so. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you went all uh, digital. Let me. Ju- oh shit! And I'm hardwired. Um, I thought it was me. Not... No, usually when that happens, it's the host, which sure. in this case would be Next Marcus. Host. Right. So yeah, I'm getting 600 down. Um, wait. Wow, that 600 gigabytes or kilobytes? Yeah, gigabytes or me- megabytes, not kilobytes. Okay. Well, anyways, could finish your thought. We'll cut this out. Anyway, so um, or not. Anyway, so I'll I'll rewind. So all the sites were messed up. Best Buys was the best because you could click the pre-order button Mm -hmm. and then you would just get a notification at the top that says, sorry, due to high demand, we can't do that right now. Please try again in a minute. So I just kept refreshing, 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 refreshing. I finally got it. I got to pre-order my Xbox. I'm pretty excited. I'm not buying the Xbox for gaming. Mm-hmm. I'm buying the Xbox so I don't have to use my stupid smart TV's terrible interface. Okay. That's um, so, and I'm judging because, so for somebody who doesn't play video games, the smart TV's interface is pretty good, right? Right. But in order to get a really good interface, you need to get an Amazon Fire Stick or a Roku or whatever your hub may be for your apps. And the Xbox is going to be super intuitive. It'll be the newest generation. So you're going to actually get to, you know, use it. So I'm going to, I'm dedicating that to, you know, essentially my house as our, our media center. So we'll launch our Disney plus our Netflix, whatever our streaming services from the Xbox from this point forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's pretty exciting for me because I want um, I want an Xbox and I really want to support Microsoft because Xbox does have a better online service than PlayStation. People are, you know, PlayStation does have the exclusives, but for me, an Xbox, the controller is better and the interface is better. So if I'm going to buy something not for the games, I would say I'm I got my Xbox. I would say that I'm very surprised to hear you say that because I feel like that was last generation. I feel like last generation was so expensive comparatively that they had to sell it as a package to the family. You know, like they had to sell it 
as they had to give dad a reason to sell it to mom and everybody else. And I realized that that's sexist. You know, mom could be the gamer and she's selling it to dad. Whatever the case, the gamer had to sell it to the spouse and the rest of the family is like, no, 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 this isn't just for me. This isn't just for gaming. You know, this is, we're going to run our movies out of this thing. We're going to, it's got a stereo, it's got, you know, radio or whatever. And and we can, we can do every, we can watch Netflix on it. We can do all this stuff. This is going to be our home entertainment system. Look, it's got Blu-ray right in it, right? And it's and that was controlled. like Yeah, exactly. Like we can do it all. No, this is this is not just a gaming. I'm not spending $600 on a gaming system. I'm buying the family and entertainment system. <laughs> and and that's really where it's gone. And I I know some people who aren't gamers who have an Xbox One S as their media hub because it is in because it's intuitive. Right. And obviously one of the kids uses the Xbox to play video games, but the family uses it in the living room for their media hub. And I think that's where the value is going to be in the Xbox. This, this, excuse me, generation. Yep. Um, so. Well, I agree. I mean, it has to be right because it just costs so much. Um, but that was, I mean, I, I'm a little surprised that, I thought that the prices were, honestly, if you would have asked me like six months ago what the prices would have been, I would have guessed somewhere between $800 and $1,000. Well, I think what happened with the PlayStation, was it three? Yeah. When it was $500 and people didn't buy it because they were like, why are we going to buy that? Um, I think that is a big deal. I think people are still conscious about a system. I think people, you know... I, I, I agree. I feel like this. I would much rather pay $70 for a game that I want than pay $700 for a console. Yeah, I think that's uh, because if you share, right, because if you start getting into that $700 price point, you can buy a pretty decent desktop computer for that. and be able to PC game. Right. Yeah, but those people are not doing that like those kind of gamers i mean pcs are taboo you know they don't know how to use them they don't want to use them there's a whole generation of like madden players out there they wouldn't touch a pc if it you know was forced upon them you know there's they're just not that kind of person and i thought that this is what i was saying about that that last generation being the thing where you had to you know, you, you had to sell it to the family. I thought this one was going to be worse, but I'm wrong. Like this is the exact price point that the last one was at, you know, this is 500 bucks on the nose. And I think that the digital edition for the PlayStation is an even better deal with at 399, the Xbox series X and Xbox series S is a, is a bigger debate um, as to what you want to do there. But I, I was surprised by how low the prices were to be totally honest with you. The, the big surprising thing, I am a nerd when it comes to what's inside the box. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, the Xbox is crushing the PlayStation. Um, PlayStation is winning on the exclusive games, but that's, you know, that got game changed today. Um, Xbox just acquired Bethesda. I'm excited to see where that goes. Personally. So they big, already man. announced big, there's big. two 
Right. There's already two death pool and some other game that is a PS five exclusive. And those two games are staying PlayStation five exclusive. I'm guessing because they're already so far in the development cycle on a PlayStation that they can't just stop that and say, okay, now make it for the Xbox. Um, I'm sure that or you mean or the litigation of having, you know, what happens when you just pull out an exclusive from a company. Right. Right. Exactly. But where all these PlayStation people who aren't Xbox people, you guys get ready because I'm calling it right now. Elder Scrolls six is going to be an Xbox exclusive. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Elder Scrolls online maybe gets pulled from uh, the PlayStation or Xbox starts giving the new expansions to the Xbox a month before the PlayStation because Elder Scrolls Online you can play on a console and it actually plays really really good console console here we go again. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna do it again I think I said it right anyway so let's break down so back to Bethesda what do you guys think about the acquisition of Bethesda from Microsoft Studios um well I think, well, first of all, you should say they acquired ZeniMax Media, technically. Well, which yeah. Is the parent okay. company for Bethesda being messed yeah. up. But, uh, so, I think, personally, I think I like Microsoft as a company, morally speaking, better than Bethesda in the last couple of years. Like, chiefly, I'm thinking about Fallout 4 into Fallout 76. is like business decisions about the game that they've made. So... I think Microsoft taking them over is better because they'll have sort of a different mor- set of morals to sort of abide by, if that makes sense. And by that, I mean more story-based and like things that actually make the game better rather than marketing or um, business decisions just to to make more money on a game, like regarding micro- microtransactions and things in, in Fallout 76. Like I never even played... I think they've since fixed it, but I never even picked up 76 because of things like that. Like the game really wasn't like a hundred percent together at launch and things and it it didn't go well. So um, I'm excited that having a big sort of financing company that's not exclusively involved in video games um, is going to be, I think it will be helpful to Bethesda and, you know, their developers to say, okay, we, we, this, we're not solely relying on you making this game as our company's income source. You know, we're Microsoft, we make PCs and, and you know, everything that Microsoft does. So you, here's your budget, take your time, get it right. Because we're not, it, you know, our quarterly projections aren't going to be crushed if this game doesn't come out like the week that we will have your have you scheduled for it too? If if you need to push it by three months, it's not crushing to to the company. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. I think that all companies at some stage are going to push their subsidiaries into deadlines, and I think that that's just an unfortunate uh, byproduct of corporate America. Having said that, I think I agree that this is a tremendous purchase for them, but I think that it's simply because the Zenimax uh family is just killing it right now um i think that there is there is a lot of people that have that that hype for the next elder scrolls game and they don't even know anything about it and it doesn't it's like vapor at this point right but people know that there will be another one because skyrim was just so damn good 
Um, and then on top of that, you talk about MMOs. Um, the Elder Scrolls Online series is really doing well in a landscape that is kind of desolate at this point. Like really the, mm -hmm. the luster has gone off of the MMO community, but Elder Scrolls Online continues to push and continues to put out impressive numbers. And that game was not well received when it first started. That is no. probably the only MMO I can think of in the last 10 years that had a crappy launch and then got exponentially better after launch. I mean, every other one had a launch and man, that first two, three months dictated how that game was going to go forever. If it didn't right. come out strong, it was done, right? Like goodbye. Yeah, Final, Final Fantasy 14 um, defied that as well. But I think Final Fantasy 14 versus Elder Scrolls Online, they're two different games. Sure. I, I mean, and Elder Scrolls they, Online they, is a true MMO. Uh, well, right. Well, so isn't Final Fantasy 14, but I think the Final Fantasy series is a core group of people that like it. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very, very direct group of people that like that game. And Elder Scrolls Online plays a lot like the Skyrims and the Elder Scrolls games where people love that game. Well, they built it. I mean, it's the modern way of doing the MMO, right? You build it with that console sort of control where you have, you know, five abilities that you can associate with buttons on a gamepad, right? And mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it's a very, uh, it's a very fast moving PVP. It's not tab targeting, you know, it's not designed for a PC. It's built to be able to play with a gamepad. Um, now, of course, you know, you have to use your keyboard to talk to friends and everything like that. So, I mean, it really is still an MMO with PC capabilities. But at the same time, you know, you can tell that this is designed for a gamepad as well. And that is that. And people know that that's an MMO. But even that and what's going on, they're still thinking, man, I can't wait for the next, you know, Elder Scrolls game that's not an MMO. And that you can't buy that kind of uh, that kind of hype. Well, I guess you can for about seven point five billion dollars. But I mean, <laughs> it is like a real thing that is exciting for uh, for Microsoft to be able to have that because, you know, you talk about exclusives. I was always under the impression that I buy the Xbox because I like the Xbox. I've always been an Xbox guy. The people I know play an Xbox. But there's always some PlayStation games that I kind of wish that I was able to play that I never could. You know, the Xbox games that are exclusives never really excited me. You know, I don't know if it's like Madden an Xbox exclusive. Maybe um, I know the Forza games maybe were. I mean, the Xbox yeah, exclusive sure. games just they didn't really ring the bell for me as much as I thought some of those other PlayStation ones were pretty cool. Like the Spider-Man game, I think, is a PlayStation exclusive. Yep. I kind of yeah. wanted to play that. God of War, which I know you weren't super, you know, missing, but that's an exclusive. The uh, Horizon Zero Dawn's PlayStation exclusive. That one, that was one that I really missed. I would have yes. played that. Well, it's out on Steam now. I know. I know. I was thinking about picking it up just the other day. I guess that I would be, God, I would be surprised if they went exclusive on the next Elder Scrolls game, because that is just, that is quadruple a right like that's your mega blockbuster style of game and you're really you know maybe cutting your nose off to spite your face at that point i don't know right but here's the thing 
at some point, Xbox has to do it. So if they're making the investment into it, they have to say, you know what? We're going to double down on this game. If PlayStation players don't want to play an Xbox and they're not going to play Elder Scrolls 6, it's their loss. Oh, that's so because, huge. So huge. But, well, I, but at some point, look at, um, I'm trying to think, like, uh, there's so many games. Spider-Man, okay? Mm-hmm. There should have been no reason why Spider-Man was not released for the Xbox. Yeah. I understand the exclusives. I personally hate exclusives because I think it sucks. Um, because, you know, I'm bringing it back to what I was saying about the the materials in um, SOTOR. Yeah. Why not just allow it to come out for everybody? If you want to make ex- like years ago, like Xbox 360 days, if you got an exclusive, it was the Call of Duty map pack went to the Xbox a month before it went to everything else. That's that's OK to me. Yeah. Right. If you want the exclusive expansion to a, a Elder Scrolls game, it goes to the the PlayStation before it goes to the Xbox. I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But these exclusive titles to try to get people to buy your system, I'm not a fan of because it's almost forcing that hand to purchase a system that you don't want to buy to play the game you want. But at some point, Xbox has got to pull it out and put it on the table and say, no, we we paid for this like halo i've been dying for halo to be available on the pc because it's a microsoft game and they didn't do it for years from this point forward like the new halo infinite will be on the pc on launch day which that's what i've wanted but it should be but i also believe halo should be allowed to be on the playstation you know you're right. It doesn't improve my gaming experience to deny somebody else the ability to play that game, right? Like, it doesn't help me at all. Um, I will say, and you mentioned this maybe like 10 minutes ago, uh, about how the online experience is better with the Xbox. I have been using, so I got the Xbox uh, Ultimate Pass or whatever the hell that is. Um, Oh, the Games Pass. Yeah, but it's like the ultimate, whatever. It it costs like 12 bucks instead of 10 bucks or something like that. Um, And uh, I got it so that I, on my PC, I built a new PC, very excited about this thing. And my kid doesn't play PC at all. He just is an Xbox gamer. But now him in the same room as me, me on the PC and him, him on the Xbox, we can play uh we can play games together and we can play um what the hell is that sailing game the 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 sea of thieves sea of thieves thank you which was the biggest disappointment of all time to figure out that that wasn't couch co-op right because all oh, i wanted yeah. to do was sail in a boat with henry right sail in a boat with h around and it'll be great um but no uh i had <laughs> but then when this came out i'm like oh this is fantastic and it's flawless and and I get uh, going through it. I got access to all of these games, and and it's great. So I I have had a great experience with uh, Xbox's online platform. Right. So I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about the systems. So okay. uh, the the release dates are November 10th uh, for the Xbox and November 12th for the PlayStation. Yep. Um, 
November 19th for the PlayStation uh, Worldwide, just select countries are the 12th. So I'm guessing like the biggest countries are going to get it on the 12th. Right. Um, to me, two days, not a big deal. You knew that was going to kind of happen. You know, PlayStation w- waited out for Xbox to make all their announcements before they released theirs. Um, because, you know, somebody always waits, right? So with the systems, so I'm going to say there's two versions of the PlayStation. Hang on, 5. hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you get into this, I want to ask you a very important question because you did this. You bought this on launch. Is there any part of you that is worried that the first version of this console is going to be problematic or no, like you're jumping in right away. So it's not even a question of would you wait because you didn't wait. But do you do you ever feel like maybe I should have waited for like a couple generations to go? Um. So I, I don't think Microsoft is never going to make the mistake again of the red ring of death. Sure. Right. They rushed the Xbox 360 because they knew deep down that if they did not put the Xbox 360 out first, they would have lost the, that console war. And in turn, they never anticipated the red ring of death, death would be something. And it was, how do I say it? Um, they learned from their mistakes and the Xbox One series, Xbox One S, Xbox One, Xbox One X, those systems are like a rock. And I think dating back in our conversation about you thinking that things should cost more, I think in the last three years, computer parts itself have gotten so cheap that believe it or not, these these specs are crazy for a console, but they don't cost much more because they're actually coming out late to the cycle. Right. Sure. Um, Okay. Yeah. So we have two editions for the PlayStation, which is their disc version, which is uh, four 99 and their digital edition, which is three 99 exact same system. One is digital. One is, um, one has a disc drive. One one doesn't Xboxes. Xbox did something crazy where they have their Xbox Series X, which is their flagship, which is $499, and their Xbox Series S is $299. Now, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to read you guys these specs, and honestly, if you're a casual gamer, you are better off buying the Xbox Series S for $300. So here we go. Both of them have the 4K ultra high def Blu-ray disc drive, except the Xbox Series S that's digital only. Um, the RAM inside the PlayStation is and Xbox Series X are 16 gigs of RAM, mm-hmm. um, where the Xbox Series S is only 10 gigs of RAM. So if you want to talk computer stats, my computer, when I'm running what everything that I'm running, I max out at like seven gigs to seven to eight gigs. I never go over eight gigs um, when I'm spamming a game. Yeah. So for 2020 standards, it's fine. Now test of time. That's going to be different. I think. Um, Meaning memory. You think that 
the Xbox Series S might get sort of maxed out over time? Yeah, I think in in the first two years of the console generation, you're going to have to get rid of your Xbox Series S, the 299 version, or they'll come out with a new one um, because it's not going to stand the test of time. But here's the thing. If you're trying to get into the next console generation, buying the Xbox Series S is a good investment. Hey, mom and dad, what do you want for Christmas? I want a new console. They're going to think really hard about spending $500 on a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X. I hate to tell all the kids in the world, your parents are getting you an Xbox Series S. Because 300 bucks, that's an affordable console. Yeah, I think that's around what the Xbox 360 originally cost. Right. So I mean, I think of how long ago that was too. Like, right? That was right. what, like, more 10? than a decade ago? Right. More than ten years ago? I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm really leery about buying three quarters or half of a console. You know, and mm-hmm. you look at that difference in RAM, and that's a significant difference. That's like forty percent. Um, sure. And and you're going to go through some of the other ones. I I mean, and we can talk about it, but I'm I'm leery about saving a couple hundred bucks and getting, you know, time stamped like that. Well, OK, uh, but I'm looking at it objectively from a because a parent standpoint, right? They may if you don't know what to get your kid for Christmas, and I'm just giving this as an example, and you might not have a lot of money, but you really want to get your kid a system, you're not going to be able to afford to buy the PlayStation. Yeah, it's only a couple hundred dollars more, but that couple hundred dollars means they maybe an extra game, sure. a game and a controller. Yeah, because you don't want to versus, buy them a system with no games, right? Correct. So so you're instantly spending five hundred and seventy dollars on a PlayStation where you could spend 400 and get a game and a controller for the xbox you raise a very good point and it's hard for me to it's hard for me to sometimes rationalize some of this because i am an adult <laughs> with a job <laughs> right. and i'm that's mortgage, right yeah, you know yes. and i'm looking at yes. this like okay i'm going to get what for the family i'm not i think it's an entirely different conversation if you are a kid and your parents aren't gamers right but all you want is the new gaming system right like that's correct a, that's a completely different universe that you're living in than me and so when you say that that becomes a lot more digestible to say like okay you buy the console you get a game and and you know maybe a couple games or something like that and you're still I, got, below the yeah. base price of the next system right um so moving into uh the you know, the memory bandwidth is it's faster on the Xbox. Yep. Um, both systems with the way the Xbox Series S is, they're splitting up the the RAM to make it faster. So basically you're getting eight gigs at 224 or then you're getting two gigs at the 56. But it's like the boosted RAM. Yep. So it equals out the same. Um, both CPUs are. um amd zen 2 cores uh the xboxes are 3.8 gigahertz but here's where the xbox is winning in my opinion yeah they've come out with smart um it's like a smart download so basically if the game is 500 gigs 
when it downloads into your system, it's only going to use 40 gigs of your hard drive space or something ridiculous like that. It's going to cut all of your downloads there. It's like almost like it's going to encrypt the software, like the games onto your hard drive to use up less space where they were already saying, um, Oh, a game. Oh, the new Spider-Man game, ultimate edition, the Miles Morales, the ultimate edition with it is yep. like 300 gigs. What? So you get that game. It fills up your PlayStation already. That's then that came to a head too with the, the call of duty, you know, uh, um, yes. updates and, and things yes. like that. Oh, that was God. a big deal over the last month. 80 gigabyte so, updates and preposterous yes. things like that. We talked around the show a couple times. I'm pretty sure. Yes. And now, so now, Years ago, it was battery life, right? Everybody had a wireless controller, changing batteries, and everybody was always worried about these batteries. They got to get better. So the last console generation was battery life in a controller. I think this console generation is going to be hard drive space. They're going to figure out a way to make these games smaller and be able to be smaller on hard drives because they can't just keep telling you to buy bigger hard drives. Right. They're going to that. I think that's the next generation. Um, so basically, the GPU, which is your graphics card, mm-hmm. the PlayStation slightly beats out the Xbox version, but the Xbox is using some technology that they have, Microsoft, to um, push forward, like like overclock their system to make it as fast as the PlayStation. Um, I'm not really sure. And video output um, on the PlayStation is 4K 120 hertz. Yep. Where um, the Xbox Series X is a native 4K and it supports up to 120 hertz where the Xbox Series S is 1440p and that is scaling up to 4K if you want it, if you have a 4K TV. Yep. And that's 120 frames. So here's like my the, point. The Series S is like good enough. Like most people right. don't even have 4K TVs. Well, believe it or not, a lot of people do. Oh. So here's here's my grand opinion on this. So I have two 4K monitors. 4K on a 27-inch monitor is a waste. I, I wish I had 1080p monitors with 144 hertz refresh rate because... As crisp as my game looks, I'm playing at 60 hertz. And when I play on my laptop, which is 120 hertz, it looks better on my laptop than it does on my monitors. Um, so what I'm saying is, is but when you have a 65-inch 4K TV and you plug a system into it and it's native 4K, that game looks like it is meant for that TV because of the pixels that it's rendering for the game. So for... Uh, 2K, uh, I mean, 1440p is just fine. Right. And they say your eyes can't see the true 4K beauty. It just, it, the pixels are crisper. That's what you see. I mean, um, I, I feel like you'd notice that on a bigger screen. I think I sent you like a a Reddit post on from build my r slash build a PC. Yes. Yep. That, like, and, and that's where like, I got it from. Where yes. you actually notice the... There's like a correlation between screen size and like sort of pixel density or something like that across a, a screen size in different resolutions. And you actually by like your your eyes will notice a difference 
or you'll get like diminishing returns after certain sizes or certain uh, at certain resolutions. Right. So I think there's um, definitely something to be said there. Sure. And then the last thing is storage. Um, the PlayStations are coming with an 825 gig SSD. Um, the Xbox Series X is coming out with a one terabyte. And the Xbox Series S is coming out with a 512 gig SSD. Right. So so for $300, the Xbox Series S is a deal. You can instantly get into the next-gen gaming. The games are going to look good. For 300 bucks. it's a win. But if you're buying a system to last the test of time, which I don't think these consoles are, yep. I'm just putting that out there now, and I will explain in a second, the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5 is the way to go. Right. Um, with technology, the way it's going, and I'm going to put this to the like the new video cards. So if you look, everybody's going crazy for the new 30 series video cards. The 3080 is decimating everything that it has ever been, right? Mm -hmm. But everybody's freaking out about it. But in four months, they're going to release the 3080 Ti. And then they're going to release, you know, the 30 Ti Super. So as, as, as games progress, at the rate games are growing right now, you're going to really see this technology really dwindle in coming years. And I really believe that this console generation isn't going to last as long as the PlayStation four or the Xbox 360 because technology is going so fast right now that I feel like this might be a five-year term instead of like the 10 year term that they've been. Right. I think you're, you'll definitely see a PlayStation five pro and an Xbox series X pro or what, you know, whatever they chose to right. name it. You'll, you're going to need right. upgraded versions after four or five years or so. I agree. I <clears throat> I will take the opposite stance of this just for the sake of being a contrarian because history has proven us wrong on this every single time a new console has come out or at least like recently that it makes no sense why the consoles are having longer shelf lives but they are. And I don't know why. I don't know why this last set was around forever. God, the 360 was around forever. And the parts just kept getting better and better and better. But it seemed like they were able to wring more stuff out of those older systems. And I don't know if that's just a function of the price going up and people don't want to constantly reinvest in them or what. But, you know, every time I think that the obvious answer is yes, they're going to come out with new systems and yada, yada, yada. It just I just get proven wrong every time. I just think it costs a lot of money to make them. I watched a video it was like a documentary talking about this once and they were talking about that. It costs more to make these systems than they sell them. So they don't really make a profit on these systems. Like over time they will, but the initial sell sales, they're losing money, but you're buying all the new games. Cause when a console comes out for the first time, I remember when the Xbox 360 came out, there was a fight night and halo. And there was one other game at launch. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. So you buy the new system, you're buying all three games because there's only three games. That's true. And then, and then, so they're making the money on those games. And so what if they're losing the money because they know over the test of time that they're going to continue to sell these systems and they're going to just keep printing money. So the initial investment, I mean, these, these specs are pretty crazy for a console. And I, I just am not sure. 
how this is all going to play out. And the Bethesda acquisition really makes me double down on buying an Xbox. Um, and I hope with that acquisition, maybe it, you know, tips the tips the hand of Sony to say, you know what, maybe some of these games aren't going to be 100% exclusive because they know what they're going to lose with the Bethesda acquisition. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think the Bethesda acquisition is it really, really makes this. This is a this is a huge deal. Like it's a big deal, anyways. But at the timing that it's happening, this is a huge deal. That's your. That's that's a good point. I hadn't considered the fact that like the new Bethesda titles coming out might be. This might be you know Microsoft and Xbox's answer to this big, sort of Sony's. Um, collection of exclusives that are, are really rich you know what if all of a sudden all of the the zenimax slash bethesda games are exclusive to microsoft and now they have this big collection of exclusive games too i hadn't considered right. i hadn't considered that to i know you had mentioned it oh maybe they're going to make them exclusive but that hadn't dawned on me that that's explicitly why they bought them could you play skyrim on a on a playstation yeah i did yeah oh I guess it never really occurred to me. I mean, I'd only played right. it on a PC or a, a, an Xbox. I, I don't know. But I mean, yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest games in consoles, right? So here's yeah. here's what has changed. Microsoft will honor Bethesda's PS5 exclusives, but future console releases will be case by case. Deathloop, this is what's changed. Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo will still be PS5 exclusives, but timed. So basically they're saying, look at, you're going to get six months, whatever it is, you're going to have the exclusive of this game, but it's coming out for the Xbox. This is a huge win for Xbox. Yeah, I agree. For, I... For, yeah. And, and Microsoft bought to buy Bethesda for $7.5 billion to boost the Xbox, uh, Microsoft corporation. So basically they're like, okay, um, you know, what, what, development company can we buy that's going to shock the world they just did it not only that but i mean elder scrolls online it continues to print money like that is still a very functional uh yeah people still play more uh, not more it's yeah the more that the live service but what's um oblivion people are still streaming oblivion (laughs) right and that game came out in like oh three yeah yeah. Old as imagine, <laughs> so imagine for the foreseeable future, every Bethesda Zenimax game is an Xbox. Oblivion exclusive. was a launch game for the last cycle of consoles. Yeah, the 360. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, that's another good point, too, because you look at Oblivion and you look at Skyrim and they were on the same console, but those do not look like the same game, right? Not even a little. Not even a little. And so that's what I'm kind of talking about when I talk about like wringing out the graphics in a console. Like it just blows my mind how well they're able to do this. And and I think that's a big difference in what's going to be in the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S is that over time, after a couple years, when these developers really start to figure out how to wring out all the graphics of the system, you're not going to be able to do that on the Series S. So there will be a shelf life on that thing of a couple years. Correct. Well, I'm going to, but here's the thing too, is I'm going to buy the S and it's going to last the entire generation for 
a media center. And then when I can't play the new games on it or it's starting to bog and I'm getting like 30 frames a second, that's when you upgrade or just play on your PC. Right. It's hard to argue that it's not going to be effective out the gate. I agree with you. There's nothing in this. There's nothing in these specs that can't play anything that comes out right now. Definitely right. true. I'm interested. I, I I can't wait to see how this shakes out. At, like once these come out and see what people are buying, and I'm looking forward to it. What are you guys talking about in here? Find out next episode of Working, Working Class, Class Nerds. Nerds.